evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Rough Neck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that we haven't talked about in a very long time, and that is a loss. An eight-game unbeaten streak comes to an end at the hands of Bob Lilly. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but I am a little bit. Um, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the future of Jared Stroud. I think that it's a good time to kind of look at what he's done and sort of assess. We have newly signed, uh, maybe one of the youngest members of the team, Omar So. Uh, we have an exclusive interview with, with him coming up. And we're going to preview two matches this week. One against Nashville who is breathing down the Red Bulls' neck. This is a, a big six-pointer. And one against Swope Park Rangers, who are uh, considerably further behind in the standings. <laughs> it, it would only take them 11 wins uh, in a row to catch up. And look, there's 12 games left in the season. So <laughs> anything could happen. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, we'll take a look around the USL standings, as we've done for the last couple of weeks. I guess maybe even all season. Joining me tonight... It's Mr. Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good. Uh, disappointed about the eight-game unbeaten streak being snapped, but, uh, you know, it's Bob Lilly, and he seems to have the Red, uh, Red Bulls 2 number this year. Uh, yeah, I feel like most years Bob is really locked in. Not every team can be uh, Phoenix Rising, who is still winning. I'm not sure how many they've gotten in a row now, but... 13, I think. 13 in a row. They're pe- they're. They're going to lose this weekend. Who are they playing? <laughs> you hope. Nah, they're going to. They're playing Sac Republic. They're done for. Thomas Ennett Voldson is there now. Uh, he'll oh, yeah, he'll be all right. over them. That's right. And then really? and then they're playing Tacoma a few days later. That's a trap game if I ever saw one. <laughs> <laughs> Tacoma Defiance is going to beat Phoenix Rising. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I'll give you a dollar if they actually beat Phoenix Rising. <laughs> I will take that bet. I'll give you a dollar if, if uh, Phoenix wins. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's turn our attention to Bob Lilly and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Two meetings this season, two losses. The only real bright spot uh, in this one, a horrible giveaway, leads to an opening goal for Tom Barlow. It looked like... Uh, you know, we were going to see a typical Red Bull 2 performance at home. And, you know, for a large part of the first half, I thought they did really uh, stick it to the Riverhounds. Um, but they were letting uh, so many opportunities come back the other way. And, you know, it really felt inevitable that they would give up a goal. And, of course, that uh, they would find the winner. Little, a, a bit of a shame that they weren't able to get one uh, themselves to at least not the game up. Uh, but, you know, Bob Lilly teams are so good about defending leads and, and kind of taking away all the things that make a team like Red Bulls too dangerous. Yeah. Early on after Barlow scored, you kind of felt that maybe if they got another one, they could maybe see this game out, but unfortunately it was not, it didn't happen. And they, like, like you mentioned, they let a lot come the other way. Uh, you know, set piece defending again was a big problem in this game. I think, uh, they allowed way too many chances. Evan made a great save on the first corner, and then uh, Greenspan was left wide open at the back post, uh, and nobody marked him. So that was something that, I I mean, it's been a problem for this team most of the year, and it came back to bite them in this game. And then in the second half, I mean, they really tried to search for that 
that second goal, Barlow got denied by an, uh, a nice save. And I believe Morton made another good save. I think it was on the corner when the ball got deflected. Uh, he made it at the last second. So I give some credit to Pittsburgh, uh, to the keeper, for making some uh, some nice saves. But, again, they, they left themselves open on that counter. And I and, and Nealis had to cover a three-on-one. And, you know, Kennard, or Nico Brett was able to cut inside and finish past Loro. But... They they had their chances in this game. We all knew they were. We, we both knew the chances were going to be few and far between against this type of uh, team. But they just couldn't put them away, and Pittsburgh did. When I look at the Nico Brett goal, what was kind of frustrating for me, uh, and I'm sure that John Molnick would share this frustration, is Nico Brett. I mean, he has no left foot as far as I'm concerned. And every time you watched him get that ball, he was cutting back onto the right. So for Nealis. I would have liked to have seen him uh, kind of take the approach that Kamar Lawrence had on Vela uh, in LAFC, which was just, you know, force him onto the right and make him uh, uncomfortable. So in this case, force him onto the left and, and make him do something with his weak foot, I think would have been a, a better thing to do in that circumstance. But it's a lot easy, a lot easier for me to say <laughs> behind this microphone, not playing <laughs> that game. So I'll, I'll cut him some slack too. Um, Another thing in this match that I think uh, would be worth uh, noting a little bit, uh, Jean-Christophe Kofi is continuing to sort of have a breakout to the end of the season. He started a little bit slow, and I think it took him a little bit of time to to learn the role, the way that he's playing it now. Uh, but he is coming on in leaps and bounds, and I think you know it's not going to be too long before you see him sort of stepping up and being the guy in the midfield and maybe even moving on to the first team and finding some success there. We've talked about him before and how much he's come alive, you know, in the past month or so. And he really continued that in this game. I really thought his distribution as well was good. Uh, He seems to be really embracing the destroyer role, which we weren't really sure if he was fit for that role, but he's, he's proving that, you know, he possibly could see some first team minutes uh, next year because he's really, I think been one of the better players on this team over the last month or so. Yeah, fully agree. Um, Looking across uh, the field, I think in general Pittsburgh, they set out to disrupt uh, the passing, they disrupt the rhythm. You could really tell that, you know, guys like Lima and uh, Stroud who are normally a little bit more in sync just weren't on the same page on the day. And, you know, if not for Evan Loro, maybe this game would have gotten a little bit out of hand for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think Evan has to get a lot of credit. Uh, again, you, you you talked about it. They really weren't in sync. Jared had a good chance in the first half, um, but unfortunately he hit it right down the uh, right at the keeper after cutting in on his right. But I think Evan had a great another great game. Uh, it's unfortunate that you know both goals scored. Um, you know, two there was two goals scored against them, but I thought for the most part he made some great saves to keep them in the game, uh, and especially uh, on the set pieces. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's transition this to man of the match. Who was your man of the match? Uh, I'd probably say Evan. Uh, again, kept them in the game, gave them a real chance to win it um unfortunately it just didn't go their way okay i would agree with that as well i'm gonna give it to evan evan nice job out there 
Uh, sorry, the team didn't also rise to the occasion, but you're you're still in good good in a good spot. <laughs> I think moving forward, um, the man we just talked about was Jared Stroud. I want to just kind of go through his numbers for this team over the last two years because. As far as I'm concerned, they are phenomenal. 17 goals, 21 assists in 56 appearances so far. That's fantastic. And when you talk about guys who've been promoted from this team, uh, you talk about guys like Brian White and Tom Barlow. These are the stats for those guys. So 11 goals and 5 assists for Brian White in 28 appearances. Really, really nice. 0.39 goals per game. Uh, 23 goals and three assists for Tom Barlow in 42 appearances, 0.54 goals per game. You can see why both those guys uh, got serious looks with the first team. Jared Stroud, 17 goals and 56 appearances. That's 0.3 goals per game and 0.37 assists per game. Uh, Both of those numbers are phenomenal. And there is not another player that has come through the Red Bulls too that has had that kind of impact with the team. Even guys like Brandon Allen and Florian Velo and Vincent Bezicourt, none of those guys have created as much as Jared Stroud over the last two seasons. And, I mean, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. He's he's broken, or he's about to break. Yeah, he, he did break 10 goals uh, for the yeah. season. He's one goal behind Barlow, who everybody you know knows and loves. He's leading the team with eight assists. I mean, he's leading chances created with 71 chances created this season. <laughs> 71. It, it, chances created leaders for the Red Bulls, too. Jared Stroud, 71. Chris Lima with 66. In third place, Janos Luba with 29. <laughs> that I mean, those numbers are just bonkers. When you look at Jared... And you look at the way that the this season has gone for the first team, I think it's pretty clear that there's going to be some roster turnover uh, in the offseason. We already saw some of it start with Marcus Epps going out on loan to Memphis. I wouldn't expect to see him again. Uh, Derek Etienne out on loan to FC Cincinnati. I don't think we're going to see him again. There's there's positions open on the wing. We Oh, Andreas Ivan, I didn't even mention, waived by the team. Jared Stroud, I think, should absolutely be in the conversation for getting a role with the MLS side next season. What do you think, Joe? It's funny because like, I would say about a month ago, I said, I don't, I didn't think he was going to get a shot. And now with the raw, with the, you know, with the roster turnover already, and we expect some more, uh, I would say, yeah, uh, his numbers speak for themselves. I really think he's, he's outgrown this level of play. Uh, I, I really like how he, he is that, he looks for that incisive pass all the time. And even if it doesn't come off, he continues to try it. He always seems to find his teammates open, always plays guys open. Uh, this year, his goal scoring is really, um, he's really become one of the leaders on uh, the two team. Uh, even John Wolniak's talked about it many times this year, how much of a leader he's become and how they kind of look towards him when they're, you know, when they're in, you know, a tough spot or the game's not going their way. They look to him to try and get, you know, galvanize the team. And he really has done that for most of the year. I mean, we, we see how, you know, where they are in the standings. We see how well they've, you know, attacked games this year, especially at home and even on the road. I mean, on the road, they've matched their win total from last year. So uh, I think you've really seen him become one of the leaders of the team. And his, uh, like, I me- uh, like I mentioned, his goal scoring's been 
really good this year. I mean, he's only one behind Barlow, as you mentioned. And he I, I, again, I think it's I think he really does deserve time with the first team. Yeah, one behind Barlow, twenty-one assists, all-time best for New York Red Bulls too. Yeah, he's just having a great time out there. And uh, I think last season, you know, just from what we saw from him and and you know where we we talked about the spots where he needed to grow. One of the biggest things was recognizing the run and making the run. <laughs> and my catchphrase from last season: "Make the run, Jared." Make the run, Jared. Uh, but he's he's doing that now, and he's got a really good nose for it. I thought that we would see him transition inside a little bit more, uh, but you know the the opportunity is there on the outside. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, what the Red Bulls do with that uh, going forward. They have, I think, roster space now that they could even uh, spend on him, but I would rather they wait until next season. Um, the other news this week: Omar So, the guest tonight. Signed to a Red Bull 2 deal. Omar is a Harrison High School legend. Shattered the record for goals and assists there. 89 goals and 67 assists for Harrison High School. Uh, You'll get to hear what his thoughts were on it. To me, I would look at that and say, you know, at a certain point, you got to be getting bored of scoring all these goals. (laughs) But he's assisting too. These are like... Wayne Gretzky high school numbers for, for soccer. <laughs> um, I've only watched him play uh, a handful of times. A lot of my knowledge comes from Eric Friedlander and his scouting uh, that he's done for RBNN. He, Omar's got a, a, a really nice nose for goal, whether it's shots from outside or just making smart runs and using his uh, physicality appropriately for his size because he's a big guy. Uh, not a lot of guys when they're turning pro at 19 have such a good understanding of their physicality, but Omar absolutely does. And more importantly, those 67 assists that that's not just, you know, him, you know, tapping the ball across uh, the box and letting someone else score. He's picking out really beautiful passes and uh, playing long diagonal balls. His holdup play is phenomenal. And when you look at the type of player that does well in this system, you know, you can get a guy who can just score goals in the, in the uh, six yard box, like Brandon Allen, and he can have a ton of success here. And uh, that, you know, that's all well and good, but then you don't transition up to MLS. The guys who have been able to do that have a nose for, for goal, but also have a great ability to combine and play uh, smart tactically. And you see all of those things from, so, so, uh, no pun intended. It could be a really great uh, signing for this team, and I don't think he would be eligible for a homegrown player, which is why you see him sign a, a, a RB2 deal. But he, he came in for about a month. He impressed the coaching staff, and uh, here we are. So now there's another option. I think that this kind of points to uh, maybe Amarildo uh, not factoring in for the rest of the season. I mean, he already had not really. I know he was carrying a little bit of a knock and sort of struggled. <laughs> He's kind of like this year's Douglas Martinez. Um, obviously, Martinez is doing very well, but when he was at Red Bull, you know, international call-ups and ill-timed injuries really hampered his ability to get on the field and make a difference. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it, you know, before the show about how he, you know, he's good at holding up the ball and you know, combining with his teammates, and that's something that. Uh, I think they they tried to get out of uh, Brian White last year when they drafted him. 
Uh, and you've seen a lot more when White's got on the first team this year with his holdup play. So if, no pun intended, but when So comes in, uh, that's going to be important because they've kind of missed that in some games this year where tim- teams like to sit deeper and, you know, they like to they like to kind of bunker down because we've seen them struggle against teams that like to sit deep, especially with, I think it was against Charleston with the red card and a couple in North Carolina this year. Uh, so when So comes in, you know, it, it will be something that could, you know, he, you know, you've mentioned what, a, you know, how he's able to pick out his teammates with nice passes and stuff like that. That's going to help the team. And if he makes an impact right away, uh, maybe it won't be long before, you know, he's pushing for first team minutes as well. That would be really interesting to see a guy that young uh, make that big of an impact so quickly. So I think we're all going to be uh, watching with bated breath to see how he's able to adjust. And you can hear from him in our interview. He He's uh, very mature. He's got a, a good head on his shoulders. And I think uh, all Red Bull fans should really be rooting for him, considering his proximity to the stadium growing up and uh, uh, what a good kid he is. So uh, we will be looking forward to seeing his contributions. For now, we're going to take a break, and then you can hear for yourself uh, what I was very impressed with uh, in my interview with Omar So. So stick around. we are back i am so excited this week to have a brand new face with the new york red bulls too it's fo- it's forward omar so hello omar thank you for joining the show hello um thank you for having me i appreciate it, you it, it is my pleasure i uh i think the people who've been paying attention to the academy and sort of local soccer uh were very excited to see that you had joined the team. What, walk us through uh, what brought you from uh, an academy player to signing your first pro contract. Um, uh, I, to be honest, but I still, I'm still in shock. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's still new to me, you know. But I am very excited and very happy, but it, it's, it's one of the biggest steps I've ever taken in my life, and it's just it's unreal when did you first start having these conversations with the team um i think i'd say about a month ago where um i started off with the academy and i guess i believe they saw me perform and i guess it was it was something that they liked you know and they called me in to train with the second team and i went in i played for maybe a month, I'd say I've been practicing with them while being with the academy, and then it, 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 things didn't escalate really quickly. But it, it took a little, a little bit of convincing, I believe. I, I'd, I'd say, but I think the coaching staff and the club really see something in me, and I guess they gave, they decided to give me the chance to showcase myself. Do you mean convincing from your side or for the, from their side? Um, as for me, I was just, I was just playing, you know, like I soaked in everything they told me, and I just showed that like I was ready, and I I believe that that's what they saw, 
and I, I guess this is the this is the chance for me to showcase what what I can do for the club and to the people. Did you have nerves around those those early days of? I guess you could call it a trial if you're you're training for a month and then you end up signing oh. a contract. Were you nervous at all? For me, yeah. <laughs> Even with the second team, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a different story when when the word pro is at the end. You know, the academy, of course, is it's great and level and the consistency is is very very high. But being a pro is a different story. You know, that my first day, it, it it was different. I wasn't. You can tell. Mostly from my confidence and my and the way I played, that maybe I wasn't ready. But after a while, you know, being around the guys and, and playing with them all the time, I I kind of felt like I, I fit in a little bit, you know. And it took a little bit of it wasn't it wasn't very very difficult playing wise, but just emotionally wise, just trying to figure out where I fit in and like how the guys treated me. So that was it wasn't really more of a playing but more of socializing with them that was the hardest for me I think that's pretty fair because I mean you're a young guy you're 19 years old a lot of the other guys on the team obviously are young um, mm-hmm. and, but I think you know tip more towards you know a little bit around the 20s and, and older so I could understand mm-hmm. that being a little bit difficult you know fitting in especially no, yeah. socially right away yeah especially on the first day and the new kid and the youngest um <laughs> But but after a while, you know, it it showed that I can play. You know, once once they saw that I was able to play and I wasn't just any other kid just coming in for a trial, like they they understood my position and and how it was for me, and they decided like they they started to help me out and you know just the little things, like the guys would just help me out a lot a lot, especially on the field and off the field. But on the field, it got my confidence up, and I felt like I was one of them. They 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 held me in, and they. That's one of the main reasons why I'm here today. Who were some of the players that were helping you along? Oh man, everyone! The, the whole team is just amazing. They're all they're all so cool. Especially one of my favorites, Scarlett and, and Jerry Stroud. Like one of those guys who just they're just such good guys. Especially yeah. off the field, it's, it's not like it, it, it. Everyone's just so like welcoming and just positive like there's never one time where there's a negative anything said you know it's just a family and that's where you want to be for me that's how I felt especially on the first day it wasn't it was more of me showcasing or playing it was more of me knowing if if I fit in you know it, it is different especially jumping right from the academy to the second team and playing with the first team especially with guys like Bradley and Tom Barlow and, and all those guys it's just it's it's, it's still me, a lot to I, take I in. It, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It really is. But I feel like I don't really need to speak to any of them. I feel like me playing on the field shows who, who I am and what type of a player I am. So that's that's one of the main things about me. I'm not really good with words and, and <sighs> talking, but once I'm on the field, I let the playing talk for me. I think you're doing fine. I wouldn't worry too much about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, what? Who are you as a player? If if you had to describe yourself to someone, oh wow! I don't think I've ever been asked this one before. Uh, honestly, I'm just. I feel like 
I just try to showcase myself to the best that I can. I'm not really the the, skill, the most skillful guy. I'm not the fastest, but I just have a different type of soccer IQ where it's just playing. It's it's so different for me. I don't I don't know if a lot of guys feel the same way, but whenever I'm on the field, it's like I see things before it ever happens. Like that's one of the main reasons why I'm a very good player, in my opinion, is that I can read the game and I understand a lot. Yeah. That that's a huge leg up, of course. When whenever you're playing, do you feel like things slow down for you uh, at times? Like almost like uh, things move in slow motion, uh, and you're able to see them. Oh, for me, well, going forward, yes. Like especially attacking, I I, I have that little sense of where to be and like how, where to go at like at the right time and and all those little things. And I feel like that's something that. Personally, for me, it, it, it's more of a talent than it is, like, working-wise. But I, with the combination of me being an athlete and the way I'm built and my soccer IQ, I feel like it fits perfectly, especially into the Red Bull philosophy because all I do is I, I'm one of, the, one of the players that they... Um, I don't know how to describe well, I think I think I know what you're talking about because the responsibilities yeah. of the forwards in the system uh, aren't just mm-hmm. about you know getting into the six yard box and tapping in goals. Exactly. You really have to combine very well. You have to press very well. Uh, there's there's a lot of other tactical uh, bits of the game that aren't necessarily heralded uh, in other places where you would just be as a forward expected to score goals. Yeah, but uh, not for not for nothing here, Omar, but. You scored quite a few goals uh, in your high school career. 89 goals, 67 assists. What is that like at the high school level? And, you know, consistently scoring like that year over year, did you feel like, okay, maybe it's time uh, to move uh, up and, and uh, onward and upward? Um, for me, not not until my, my senior year, the end of my senior year. The goals, like playing high school soccer and, even just switching to the academy is, is so different. And the, the pace of the game and the way you think and the way you play, it's so different. But for me in the high school level, it wasn't it wasn't more of a scoring goals. It was more of getting fit, you know. It, I, I understood my role and, and who I was on that team and how I play against other teams and how the other kids see me. So I understood that maybe at times I was the best player on the field, but it, it wasn't really about the goals. Like if I really wanted the goals, like I could have had a million. I could have had as much, but <laughs> right. I tried to. Yeah, I tried to focus on like the little things, especially. And and I feel like the when you play and not think about scoring or or any of that, it just it comes. That part comes. I feel like it, it's a it's a lot easier to think about scoring goals than than to get better. Right. And for me, all I do is just try to get better on the field, and and the goals were just they were just there. Do you think that's part of why uh, you've been able to adapt at each level you've been at so far is because you have that sort of mentality? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially in, in my household, you know, my parents always, we always talk about getting better. You know, it's not, it's not about what you're doing now. It's not about if you scored 10 goals or 40 or, or whatever your stats are. We just, we always try to get better and do the little things. You know, it's, it's very, very easy to score goals. But it's very, very difficult to score goals at the highest level, especially when you're playing in the like, academy or the second team or the first team. 
it, the goals don't usually come crazy. So when they do, you have to be able to take that opportunity. I think that's a pretty fantastic mindset. Are there are there um, forwards or strikers that you would want to emulate? Like, who were your soccer heroes? Uh, for me, one of one of my main main ones was um, Clarence Seedorf and Drogba. I, I looked up to those two guys a lot, especially back home. But then, like you know, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that they're African, so we. We, we used to watch them all the time, especially when the African Cup of Nations would come. We'd just we, we'd sit down like two hours before the game and get ready just to watch them play. It, like watching them play, it was just like a dream. Like you were there and it's just crazy the things that they'd be doing on the field. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I feel like that's how I, I adapted my type. I didn't even like growing up as a kid, a lot of the guys, you know, we'd look at players like Neymar or like Ronaldo or Messi. But for me, I looked at the players that I look like physically and, and mentally. Like, how do I, like, who who plays like me? Like, how do I see myself? And I felt like Seedorf and Drogba were the two players. It was like a perfect combination of scoring goals and, and the body and the way they think. It's just, I learned a lot from them. That is an awesome outlook. Do you think there's anybody like that in MLS right now that you think uh, young black kids can look up to as as uh, role models? I'll- Sure. Yeah, especially at Red Bulls. You have guys like guys like Phillips and like Luis Robles. Even like it's 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 not really about where they where they are at. It's just about how they play and like their attitude on the field. That's what caught my eye, especially with the with the Red Bulls. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to play for New York Red Bulls. Especially the coaching staff, like Chris Arms, is just the way that they talk to you and, and help you out and, and everything is just unbelievable. It makes you it makes you want to play for them, you know, especially like Bradley. Whenever we're, we're practicing or anything like that, he'd just pick me to the side and just give me something. And I try to just soak everything in because that's a guy that's done unbelievable things in the highest level. So it's not just a regular person telling you this or that. It's, it, whatever he says is really, really important. So for me, like I try to, I look up to him a lot especially even training next to him, like running next to him. Like that's something that I, I really soak in. And I, I take it every day, one step, one step at a time, because he, he understands, I feel like he understands my, my position and how I'm feeling. And he's one of the main guys that's always talking to me on the side and just trying to help me out. That is great to hear. Uh, Omar, this has been a fantastic interview. Before I let you go, I have to subject you to the lightning round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't be too nervous. I think it's pretty light. Okay. Popcorn, yes or no? No. That's what no. I like to hear. Popcorn's disgusting. So many people like popcorn. Yeah. What's wrong with them? <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars? I mean, oh, wait. Sorry. Go ahead. No. No. Yeah, you, you're right. <laughs> uh, not much of a popcorn fan. Look, sweet popcorn's okay. It's that buttered popcorn that's like, oof. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I see that. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Man. Oh, man. Two years ago, if you asked me this, I would have said Star Wars. I've never seen a, a single movie of Star Trek. But now, I, I think I'm going to go with Star Wars. All right. Hey, it was a close uh, call, it yeah. seems. That's okay. It was a good one. Marvel or DC? 
oh man, that's Marvel one hundred percent. Yeah, fair. There's no way. I know uh, the DC fans are about to blow this this comment section up if there was one. Oh man, it is so rare we come across any DC fans, but mostly it'll be <laughs> if it's a comic book. Um, Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Sonic. Fair. Favorite Sonic team to play Sonic. as in FIFA? Hmm? Favorite team to play as in FIFA? Favorite team? Um, I'd have to go Barcelona. Even though I don't really like Barcelona. It's and, just fun and, to play like, with them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, especially the way they play. I don't think anyone can stop me when I'm in my zone. <laughs> Okay, and I know I realize you've only been around a month, uh, uh-huh. and you know no pressure. But who is the worst dancer on the New York Red Bulls too? <laughs> oh man! Can I answer second team and first team? Yeah, or? yeah, you could throw in both. I'd have to go with Rito. Rito <laughs> on the second team. That man cannot. <laughs> That oh. man, he he, he <laughs> he's got his he's got his moves, but I I don't know about that. I mean, have to put him. Ah man, is it is it a generational yeah. thing? Does he dance like a, an old man, or is it just he just can't dance? No, it's just his motion and his the movement. Just, it doesn't connect <laughs> with the beat. It's just it's so sad to watch, but. He loves dancing, so we'll, we'll give him that. All right, fair, On fair. The first team, I think I'd have to go with. I think I have to go with Omir. Okay. <laughs> Omir and, and yeah, it has to be Omir. I like it. That's fantastic. That's one of my. That's that's one of my main main guys too. I speak with a lot. He's one of the. I call him my buddy. He's my nice. little buddy. Nice. <laughs> He's older than you. He's, but he's yeah. smaller than you, that's for sure. Yeah, he's one of the, he's, a lot of the young, young guys, like Omi and Christian and Ben, we have this, we don't really, I wouldn't say we have a group, but obviously we are the youngest and we we, we speak with each, we, uh, with each other more than we do anyone else. So it, it, it really feels good to be speaking with them, especially the way he's, where he's at right now. I'm basically following in his footsteps. That is awesome, awesome stuff, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. No problem. And thank we, you. Of course. And we'll uh, be keeping our fingers crossed that we get to see you score your first goal very, very soon. Oh, man, for sure. You know, I can't wait. I'm very excited. Um, There's there's definitely going to be a lot of that. We'll, 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 we'll keep it at that. There's going to be a lot of goals this year, hopefully. All right. Look out, Tom Barlow. He's coming for your yes, record, sir. Tommy. <laughs> well thanks omar and when we come back we're going to preview the midweek match against nashville and this weekend's Mm -hmm. match against swope park rangers so stick around and we're back We've got two games to preview we're going to start with the midweek game against nashville sc this is the game if you remember uh it was prematurely uh canceled well i guess not prematurely canceled it was post maturely canceled it took forever for them to finally call this game they delayed it for hours and hours because of lightning they let them play the first half and then finally called it around midnight i want to say 
Uh, so this is the makeup game for that match that uh, was never played. Matthias Jorgensen scored early, and then I don't remember who scored the goals for uh, for Nashville, but they had gone up 2-1 to one when the match was eventually called. I think Ropapa Mensa had one, maybe Lebo Melodo. I think Lancaster had one. Oh, okay. So it was La- Lancaster and Melodo, I think. Uh, I'm not going back to check. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this is poised really well. I think that uh, the Red Bulls are going to struggle a little bit against Nashville. Let's look at their record. 13-5-6 on the season. They sit on 45 points. That's two points behind the Red Bulls, uh, even on games played. In their last five, they are 4-0-1, oh, and, and they are 5-2-3 and three at home. Not a, not a tremendous home record, but you can obviously see they take care of business. They pick up points. Their last five, their wins came against Charlotte, 3-1, to one, Hartford, 4-0, Swope Park, 2-0, and Indy 11, 2-0. And their draw came against Bethlehem Steel. It was a 0-0 draw, uh, which came last Saturday. Is that right? No. Uh, well, I guess two, two, two Saturdays ago. Yeah, two Saturdays ago. Uh, their leading goal scorer is Daniel Rios. He's got 17 on the season. He by far the most prolific player on the team. Cameron Lancaster and uh, Carlton Belmar were both brought in to be these big uh, offensive pieces, and they really haven't uh, made good on that yet this season. Lancaster, five goals. Uh, then under them, Alan Wynn, Ken Tribbett, Ropapa Mensa, and Lebo Melodo all have three. Matt LaGrasa and Carlton Belmar have two. Jimmy Ockford and Tucker Hume have one. Uh, the assist leaders for Nashville are Lebo Melodo with eight, Justin Davis with three, Taylor Washington, Matt LaGrasa, Rapapa Mensa, Daniel Rios, and Carlton Belmar with two. Former FCC man Forrest Lasso uh, in the group with Cameron Lancaster and Alan Wynn with one apiece. Nashville is a tricky team. They're still defense first. But what you're starting to see, I think, over the last two months is their offense is really coming alive and becoming dangerous on the counterattack. Daniel Rios is, you know, a clinical finisher in the box. I think it's going to be really important to not give him opportunities the way that they gave. Uh, I almost, I almost called him Romeo Parks. It wasn't Romeo Parks who scored. <laughs> oh my God, uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, Brett. Yeah, Nico Brett, not Romeo Parks. Uh, Nico Brett is a clinical finisher, but you know a little bit obvious in the way that he sets up. They cannot, they cannot overcommit the way that they did against Nico Brett. Um, they're gonna, I think, struggle all day breaking down this team if they they take their foot off at all, or if they make any mistakes in the midfield. Nashville has been so good at capitalizing against teams. Uh, that breakdown while passing. I think Pittsburgh really gave a nice blueprint of keeping things physical and trying to disrupt the RB2 rhythm. And I expect to see a lot of that from Nashville. Joe, what do you think that we're going to see in this game? I think we're going to see a lot of what you just mentioned. Um, we saw it in the first game, again, uh, the game back at Montclair earlier this year when, you know, they kind of imposed their will on them in the first half. They, uh, you know, they, they, they was very chippy. They they fouled them. They, they tried to frustrate Red Bull 2 by fouling a lot. And, 
they grabbed an early lead. I believe it was a mistake that led Rios. Um, I think it was a mistake by Nealis that let, allowed Rios um, to grab an early goal. Uh, Red Bulls 2 way real tied up. But uh, this this is a really important game. I mean, it, the the bat they're they're going to have to be up for the physical challenge. Um, the midfield, especially of Kofi and Lima, are going to have to uh, you know really put in a good shift this game because um, you know this team's tough to break down. They're going to have to be patient. They they can't commit a lot of numbers forward uh, and leave na- and and let Nashville counter like they did Pittsburgh because Nashville, as we've mentioned, has been a defensive team first and they like to counter and that's how they score a lot of their goals. Uh, and Nashville's been playing very well of late. Uh, you, you know they they're and they're sitting they sit right now in third place. This is a potent, This is a six point game. Um, it's going to be a really tough game. I mean, I, I I think earlier when when this game was called, they they you know even though they played early on, they kind of wilted towards halftime, um, and then Nashville was able to grab a lead. Uh, but now this, this is a much different national team. They're a much better team, I think, than they were when they played about a month, I think it was a month and a half ago. Uh, and they're going to have to be prepared for a tough game. I would say that that's also true about the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls were in the midst of kind of a wilty, uh, run. I think that was around the same time that they had the match against Ottawa and maybe Charleston was right around the same time. Hold on, let's look back. Do, 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 do. Um, that might have been the Pittsburgh game. I think that was the Pittsburgh game when they lost three nothing to Pittsburgh. All right, yeah. So they had well, all right, yeah. But they had the the loss to Pittsburgh. They look like they were going to lose to uh, or no, they tied Charleston. Then they had the match against Nashville, or maybe that came right before that, and then had the tie against Ottawa. Things were not clicking. It was in the transition when Barlow moved up to the first team. Matthias Jorgensen was just kind of coming into his own. Um, But now I think the team's playing a lot better, even with the result against Pittsburgh. Over their last, you know, five matches, I think Red Bulls, too, have been really solid, with the the exception of the end of that Memphis match and Oh, all right. So not a not entirely over the last five matches, but I still think just in terms of the way they've played, they've been a lot better than than they were when they met last. And it's also important to remember that Red Bulls could have been up two nothing very early, but they missed a sitter and uh, you know things. Then I think spiraled from there. I expect to see a very similar lineup to what we have seen over the last couple of matches. Matthias Jorgensen. Um, I think won't factor in as much uh, going forward. I think now he's starting to, to get a little bit more time with the first team. We see Tom Barlow dropping back a little bit and getting more time with the second team. Uh, and, you know, maybe we're going to see Omar So this week. I think it would be nice to, to see him out there and maybe what he could do. Would you play two forwards against Nashville? Or, would, or do you think they should come out uh, with the sort of four three three that they've played all year? I think the two forwards would be pretty interesting because Nashville, um, it, it would it would be an interesting way to attack Nashville because um, you know it, it, you know if you did um, if you if if So was able to play and you did Barlow and So uh, I think you could have So hold up the ball and Barlow make those runs in behind and also you've got Jared in there who could you know who's good at finding those passes in behind um, I, and again they they're going to need to break a team down that is probably going to sit deep so. I mean, playing two strikers might be the way to go. All right, I could see that. Even if if so doesn't play, if they ha- if they go three across 
and start Elney on the right wing, I think that would probably uh, do some wonders for them as well. I like what he's able to bring as a starter on the wing. I think um, when he comes into matches late, he's not always that great, or he, he maybe struggles to to pick up where he needs to, but um, I think he could be really good out there. So let's get a prediction from you. What do you think is going to happen in this match? Uh, um, it's, it's a really, really tough game for them. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a two-one loss. Unfortunately, yeah, I I get that feeling as well. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think they're going to be able to get a draw in Nashville. I think they're going to be more up for this match than against Swope Park. Ironically, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to call this a two-two draw. Uh, moving forward. Of course, the last time I predicted a loss, I think they they won handily. So. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to the best of us. And then, of course, so if you look at this week as um, the Red Bulls trying to get four points, you would expect them to get one point in Nashville. And they, I mean, they really should get a win over Swope Park, but they're not necessarily opponent to just overlook. Yes, they have only won once in their last five. They are one four and zero in that stretch, and three thirteen and six on the season. This team is incredibly inconsistent, but they have pieces that can be troublesome. And depending on who's being loaned down from the first team from Sporting Kansas City, they can they can give you a game. They really don't get shut out very often. If you look at that span uh, where they they've got the. The four losses, they were shut out twice against Nashville and Ottawa, two terrific defensive teams. They scored two against Pittsburgh. Against Bob Lilly's team, they were able to get two, and they got one against Atlanta. They do have a negative 22 goal differential in the season. But like I said, they they can find ways to stay in matches. Even going back to uh, um, their match against Tampa Bay back in July, they lost 3-1. to one. They, don't, they don't get shut out in, in a ton of matches. I've said that already once. Uh, spin in the wheels, folks. Spin in the wheels. So anyway, in their last five, um, their one win came against Hartford. It was a 4-3 to three win. They lost against Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Nashville, and Ottawa, as I had mentioned. Their main goal scorers, Felipe Hernandez has eight. Wilson Harris, Ethan Vanacor, Decker has three. Or they both have three. Jerome and Beckel has two. Rodney Wallace, Zay Pedro, Gideon Zellelum, who I'm not sure we'll see him, but we'll see. Uh, Tyler Freeman, Rasenbach, Akhmatov, and Camden Riley all have one. Their assist leaders, Alexander Andrade has five. Killian Combe, Felipe Hernandez have three. Jacob Davis and Mbeckel have two. Eric Hurtado, who will not play in this match. Jimmy Madranda, Juan Kuzian, Mark Segbers all have one. Look, we know what Swope Park is going to do. I think you're going to see them look to press a little bit, uh, but try to stay a little bit compact. They make a lot of defensive errors. This is the kind of team that Rebels opened the season and really exploited all of the things that sort of uh, make them who they are. And got sort of a comfortable 3-1 to victory. And Tom Barlow probably missed, you know, 13 chances in that match (laughs) it was not as close as the three to one would suggest do you think we're going to see something similar here uh i sure hope so i mean 
the last against Hart, they you know they had a, they had an easy game against Hartford, and they kind of made a mess of that until the two red cards. Um, so it, I think I'm just the one thing I'm hoping is you, you've mentioned that they they don't get shut out. I'm hoping it's more it's the opposite of the Memphis game where Red Bulls get an early lead and they kind of see the game out because it's been a challenge for them to kind of seek some games out on the road this year. So this is the type of game where they should win easily and hopefully see the game out because it could be one of those building blocks for later in the year if they have to travel. And let's give Red Bull 2 a shout out because uh, they have surpassed their win totals for the past two years, um, just in general, 14, and on the road with four. Uh, so they're they're a little bit better on the road this season, but still they've had moments where things have gone sideways, three draws, two losses. Um, I think if they're able to uh, not suffer from sort of that uh, overlooking uh, the, the sort of trap game mentality, this is a classic trap game because after Swip Park, you've got Indy 11, you have Charlotte. Yes, that's at home, St. Louis and Louisville on the road. So there's these big matches coming up and Swope Park almost feels like a given. And if they look at this match that way, I think they're going to really struggle. Um, I have faith that should they not get the result that they're looking for in Nashville, that they're going to look to turn it around and get a big one at Swope Park. Uh, with all that said, Joe, let's get a prediction. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say three, one similar to open the season. Okay. I'm going to call it a two to one victory. I think it's going to be a little bit closer, a little bit scarier, but they're going to get the job done. Let's turn our attention to the USL championship standings. (laughs) We've been looking at this the last couple of weeks. Some, uh, some movers, some shakers, but I think mostly we've had the same couple of teams above the playoff line for a while now. We talked about Charlotte Independence, looked like they were getting things together. They've kind of faltered of late. Beth Steele, it's just so sad. They they looked like they were in great position earlier in the season, and they, they keep falling. Um, I don't think we're going to have too many teams sneaking above the line coming up, but let's let's take a look at what we have. So Red Bulls, too, are in first place, 47 points. With a game in hand, Tampa Bay Rowdies are right behind them, 46 points, 23 games played. Nashville under them with 45 points. Then Indy, 11, 43. North Carolina, 43. Pittsburgh at 41. Louisville, 39. Ottawa, 36. Charleston, 30. Birmingham, 29. Birmingham Legion, they are 4-0-1 in their last five, uh, just like Nashville. They're they're playing terrific right now, and yeah, uh, I would like the, to see them continue to move up the table. I had them. I think I, if I recall correctly, I think on the last show I said they would be they would make it above the line in the playoffs. Yeah, yes, you did, and I think we're going to hold you to it, Joe. It looks like <laughs> that's going to happen. I'm going to clap for a second. It's because there's a a gnat circling above me. Now, those of you who know me well know that I only have one good eye, so trying to catch a bug mid-flight is very difficult but i'm gonna go for it well i lost him (laughs) all right i might i might find him i might not uh you might hear me clap like a, a fool later but anyway so that's above the line below the line st louis charlotte beth Steele, 
Loudoun United, Atlanta United, Memphis 901, Hartford, and Swope Park. Look, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Swope Park, 14 points back, 12 games to play. There's a chance, all right, but it's very, very unlikely. Same thing for Hartford. Uh, they're only 13 points back, but they're in a real, real bad way. And they've played two more matches than anybody else. Yes, they have a lot of their matches left at home, but it really doesn't seem likely that they're going to turn things around. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, St. Louis and Charlotte really are the only ones in striking distance right now. And Charlotte's played more games than most of the, of the rest of the East. And they're four points back. I, it just looks like a task too too far. So I think you're really looking at who's above right now is who's going to stay up there. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, the one thing is, I I mean, I don't know if they're too far, if it's too far, too uh, much of a climb for them. But Loudon's only played 21 games compared to everybody else. So I don't know. Maybe if they get a couple wins, they could be within striking distance. But I, 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 I it's it's a tough hill to climb, and I think it's just going to come down to pretty much Ottawa, Charleston, Birmingham, and St. Louis. Yeah, Loudon. If you had asked me at the end of um, or at the beginning of the week last week, I would have been far more optimistic. They dropped two results <laughs> against Charleston and and Ottawa, and uh, it, it just makes things all the harder. Yeah. Let's look out west. Oh, yawn. Phoenix <laughs> rising. Oh, so, they're so good. So, so let me let me let me get into this for a second. Okay, yeah, good. You said they were going to lose the Sac Republic this on Friday. That's correct. Uh, it's Dollar Beer Night. They're the night they're playing Sac Republic. All the more reason they're going to lose. I don't care about their <laughs> silly superstitions. <laughs> They have not lost on Dollar Beer Night until you see. Now, when we talk about this next week. I'll remind you that you jinxed them by talking about that. Oh, all right. All right. Fair enough. Fine. Fair enough. Not only are they going to lose to Sacramento, <laughs> don't forget, they're going to lose to Tacoma Defiance days later. <laughs> That's what's happening. And uh, you could book uh, it. Oh, my God. I've been told uh, I'm, a, I'm a pundit. <laughs> I can't I can't believe I can't believe you're not happy for Junior and Jose. I am uh, I'm a hundred percent happy for Junior and Jose. I'm glad that they are in a good spot. I just I still uh, think less of the the West because I feel like they are not as um, challenged defensively. So offensive players really shine out West when they come East. You see what happens. Look, uh, Nashville went out and they got Carlton Belmar, one of the best scorers in the West. Indy Eleven went out and got Dane Kelly, one of the best scorers in the West. And what have they done in the East? Almost nothing. Both of those guys are struggling big time. And I think there's something to sort of the physicality of the East that makes it really tough for uh, more skillful teams out West that like to play a little bit more of the possession-based, passing-based game. But they they really have a hard time against Eastern teams. All right. I think that's fair. Um, I just just think I'm by that my... I'm sticking by the Phoenix is the best team in you and the championship right the USL championship right now. I think just purely on record alone, there's no argument to be made there. Of course, they're they're playing great. Okay, I don't think that that there's really any anything I could say. I'm just telling you when it comes down to it, I don't believe in them. <laughs> Sorry, Junior. Sorry, Jose. Friends of the show, of course. Um, but okay, let's go down the standings. Phoenix rising 53 points. They are way out in front now. Nine-point lead over Reno and Fresno are behind them with 44 points. Fresno, 
um, has two games uh, in hand over Reno. So expect them to kind of finish further up the table. I, I think if there's one team that maybe could give Phoenix some trouble, it's Fresno. Okay. I, uh, I like that assessment. We'll see. We'll see if that's true. Um, Austin Bold is then even further behind them with 36 points. So it's pretty much that's the top three. Fresno, Reno, Phoenix. I'm pretty sure it's going to end uh, Phoenix, Fresno, Reno, but we'll see. Then Real Monarchs behind them. Sac Republic, 35 points, or 34 points, rather. New Mexico United, 34 points. OKC and LA Galaxy 2 on 33 points. Portland Timbers on 32. That's the top 10 in the West right now. Just under the line, El Paso Locomotive tied with Timbers 2, but uh, behind on goal differential. And then San Antonio and Orange County. Those three teams probably most likely to be able to challenge for one of the last remaining spots. Behind them, Las Vegas Lights, then Rio Grande Valley, then Colorado Springs Switchback, Tulsa Roughnecks, and of course, last place, and will defeat Phoenix Rising, Tacoma Defiance. I cannot wait to get my dollar. I eat healthy now, so I can't even threaten to buy a candy bar in a, in a vending machine. So I don't know. Maybe I'll buy a lettuce wrap somewhere. <laughs> i mean i'll be a dollar richer after next week so. you will not be a dollar richer how dare you <sighs> but yeah no so that that's what we're looking at west if you had to pick one of those teams under the line or i guess just look at that okc la portland timbers locomotive san antonio orange county which of those teams do you think is going to shuffle or do you think it stays the way it is San Antonio is probably, or San Antonio and Orange County are probably the most likely to make a move. El Paso has really struggled over the last, uh, you know, five or six games. Um, I'm going to say Portland, too, makes a little bit of a move. Um, I think they're a pretty good team. I don't think they've been playing up to their potential. Uh, and they've lost a lot of, I would say, close games. Uh, I mean, one nothing to Sacramento, 2-1 to Fresno, 2-1 to Galaxy 2. Um, they've lost a lot and you know, they've, they've lost a lot of close games of late. I think, I mean, they've got a game in hand on the Gal- uh, galaxy two. I think they'll make a move. Uh, I also, I think San Antonio will be there. Um, come, uh, I agree with you about San Antonio. Yeah, I think they'll be up there. Okay. No, I think that's it. Is there any, uh, USL news that, that we didn't talk about? Uh, I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, Okay. That's it for us today. I'm going to take a sip of water and then I'm going to start our sign off. <laughs> it's not a ventriloquist act. Uh, I, I'm not still drinking water and talking. To you. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Jstein15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast, and that's, of course, on Twitter. If you'd like to follow our written work, we are at RB News Network on Twitter, the Red Bulls News Network, rbnn.us. And Joe and I are often contributing things there. You can see all of our stuff and Bill's lovely photos. If Bill's ever back on the show, I, I don't know. I think he's abandoned us. he was off the game on saturday oh good good yeah i got to see him that's good i hope he's doing well bill i'm sorry i (laughs) i I didn't mean to say what i said and i miss you 
I didn't say anything, guys. I'm just kidding. Um, of course, all of our episodes are posted on RaisingBulls.com. You can find us at Facebook.com slash RaisingBulls. And we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Find us, rate us, review us. It absolutely helps. It puts us further up in the search algorithms uh, the more that you participate. And it really does help. So please do that. Of course, we're part of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. They cover MLS, USL, Premier League, NWSL, and a ton of great information in podcasts scattered all around the USL. The USL show, of course, that's a given. But they've also got Backyard Footy, The Last Line, Bethlehem Blast Furnace, Birmingham Backline, Backchat, Sirius Loco, Foxtrot Pod, Sock Takes, and so much more great written content, great podcast content. I highly recommend you check them out. Last but not least, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Oh, and I announced this on uh, Facebook and Twitter, but uh, it wouldn't be the uh, end of summer. I think it's mostly been the end of summer. Without me announcing, I've got another album coming out. I don't know Woo! if anybody out there is listening to my music. <laughs> Somebody is somewhere. It's not just uh, my parents, uh, I've been told. Um, but Acoustic Boomerang, it's called Anything, A- Anywhere, Everywhere Gone. It'll be out on uh, September 10th. You can listen to that also on Spotify and Amazon and wherever else you'd like to get music. It'll be there. Give it a go. I think uh, I think you'd like it if you give it a listen. Maybe you won't. Listen to it and give me a mean review. I would be okay with that, too. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's it. Stumbling to the finish. One of my favorite things to do. Uh, for myself, for Steen and Omar So, not Zoe. It's not Zoe. It's Omar So. <laughs> Thank you very much and have a great night. <laughs>